Now I am. Now I am. All right, everybody set? Cool. Good deal. All right. First off, great song. Great song. And, and, and if we will apply the truth of that song, it will change us. Because the longer we are saved, the, the tendency is to let me tell you um, who, am I, who I am. Let me tell you why, why Jesus should have died for me. Let me tell you how good I am. And if we could just remember, and the old hymns did this so well, those old hymns. Even the one I, I quoted this morning um, uh, you know, from John Wesley. If we just remember who we were, that, that we were nothing uh, before God. And that outside of His amazing grace, we would not be who we are today. It really would change us. It really would. So thanks, Nita, for a great song. That was very, very good. Well, I thought a natural follow-up and something that I intended to do last year and didn't get around to doing would be to teach on um, just a little bit how to share our faith. How do we share that? I I really hope you took home a new perspective and a new uh, understanding of just how unique the Christian faith is. I hope you really took home this morning the concept based, based on biblical knowledge that, you know, Jesus is no other. It's just not that, that Jesus is the, you know, is the number one. You know, I've been watching the Olympics. It's not like Jesus is the gold medal and that uh, Hinduism is the bronze and Islam is the silver. Okay, they're all winners. Just Jesus is a bigger winner. That's not true. I mean, Jesus is the only way. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Now, think about the fact. Aren't you glad that either in a church service or at your house... Someone shared the gospel with you. Somehow you came to a knowledge that you were a sinner and that, that Jesus was the Savior and you needed a Savior and you asked him into your life, you turned from your sins, and you, and you followed Jesus. Am I right? Now, now, what if that hadn't happened? Where would you be today? You know, some of you would still be addicts. Some of you still would be drunks. Some of you would still be adulterers. Um, some of you would still be you know, just out in the world living what seems like a good life until you crash and burn at the end and spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Is that true? It really is. So, so really what I want to do tonight is I want to help us, if I can, um, to, to come some grips about how do we share our faith in Jesus Christ? How do we share the information about the fact that he is the no other? I mean, there's just no other. We're going to, we're, um, Terry, uh, Tim and I spent some time today talking about Africa. You know, really it's not much different in Africa than it is right here. Please understand that. But we all need to share our faith. Now, if you remember, when Tim Sadler was here, he shared two numbers with you that, that are still um, surprising, but, but probably not. You know, first off, he said that there's an old survey um, that said 90% of Christians. Now, now, think about this. Whoa, whoa. Think about this. Let, let me soak it in. It's, did you like the trillion, 100, 100 trillion illustration this morning? You know, covering Texas and silver dollars. I thought that was really cool. I didn't come up with it, so, you know, I've got off the internet. But, but anyway, you know, if you just stop and, and, and pose and think about, okay, that, that we, 90% of us, have never shared our faith. And that's like, I love what Matt Oshel said, there is no great commission. It's the only one. It's the commission. But so many of us have not shared our faith in Jesus Christ. That's just, it really is surprising. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we all, we got these other rules we follow really well, but that one, the number one, and you know, some of you say, I'm not wired that way. I'm not going to do it. That's not for me. But you know, in faith in Christ, the truth is all of us are supposed to have a, an opportunity and should seize opportunities to share our faith. Like it or not, that's just the truth. And then he said this other one. Then he said this. He said, 90% of the people said they never intend to share their faith. 
Which means if that's true, then 90%, you know, 90% of you tonight would, I don't care what you say, preacher. I don't care what booklet you give me. I don't care what you say. I'm not going to share my faith. And that's even scary. That's scary. That's absent, uh, that's, that's um, um, arrogance toward God and his word. So we really want to take on. Now, I, I've been sharing this with people and they look at me like I'm a calf at a new gate. I'm that, you know, I'm not. You know, I really think I've discovered that, that baseline. I'm an introvert. I really think I am. I, I can, you know, when I get up on the stage, God, I really think, oh, I'm going to say God empowers me, but he does. I, that's, that spooks you. That's fine. You know, it's almost like I become a different person up here. Um, but, but if you put me in a room full of strangers, I head for the wall. You can ask this woman. I head for the wall. And I, if, I, if, I, if I can find one person to latch on to, I will talk to that person the entire hour we're in that room. Now, in revival situations where I walk to a church I don't know, I, I, can put, I can do it. I can do it. But I have to say, okay, Dwayne, you can do this. You can do this. So I know it's kind of weird to think your pastor might be an introvert, but you know what? I'm not by myself. In fact, I bet a lot of you are. And that's a hindrance. That's a hard, that's an obstacle we've got to overcome to sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, again, some are extroverts, and you can talk about anything to anybody at any time. The key thing for you is, is to be sure you include Jesus in that conversation. So for those of us who are introverts, we got to find some ways to start a conversation um, so we, we can pr- move forward. And for you extroverts, you got to make sure the conversation includes Jesus. Now, Tim, when he was here, gave us this word. And if you look at the bulletin of the thing I gave you, the word form there. Okay, This is the way when you're in a situation where you don't know a person to kind of introduce the gospel, to kind of introduce um, the thought leading toward telling and sharing the, your faith with them. So, so you remember he talked about the first one's family, and I won't go into detail like he did. I'm sure you remember it quite well, but it's a good way to start. If you see kids and, you know, if you see toys in the yard, you can assume they probably have kids or grandkids. Oh, do you have children? Uh, oh, really? You're married? How long y'all been married? Oh, that's just wonderful. That's great. You know, different things to start a conversation. And then you might look around the house, or you might look, or something, and you see an occupation. So you move from family to occupation. So what do you do for a living? It's just a natural, it's almost a natural progression. I'm a mechanic, I work at school, I teach, I do coal mine, or something like that. And then, again, it's, it's almost natural, this doesn't work too bad, is religious background. Do you go to church? Uh, you know, that's what I do over here. You know, I'll hit up and say, what, you know, we'll chat and talk for a while when we're doing the um, all-star visitation. And so eventually I had to, are you going to church? Now, I, give me an example about how this is hard. Um, you know I got this on. Okay, y'all got one of these yet? The blue bracelet? Okay, this is, this is choose two bracelet. Of course, mine doesn't say choose two anymore. Um, but this means that I'm praying some lost people. And you need to have, a, either you need to have one of these on your nightstand, if you're afraid to wear a blue bracelet, or you need to have one on your wrist. Are we out of these? Perhaps we should order some more. So um, there's about five people that I pray for virtually every day. I'm not tooting my horn, I'm just telling you, okay? There are five people that I pray. And one of those is a guy that works on my car. And so I, I prayed that morning, okay, God, I've got to go see my mechanic. So, Father, help me to introduce faith. And it was a real short conversation, but I finally got around to blurting out, so when are you going to come to church? Because <laughs> we had talked before. You know, we had talked before. He goes, oh, Dwayne, you know, we talked about that. I will one of these days, you know. So God fixed it up. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> good old God, thank you, God. I thought that when I went to Walmart, got my oil changed, the oil plug was bad. You know, not tightened up because I had an oil leak all of a sudden. And I assumed it was Walmart. 
No, it had nothing to do with my, that. I have a linky uh, intake manifold, which means a big repair, which means I'll be seeing Chris on Wednesday again. <laughs> Isn't it nice of God to give you another chance? <laughs> he does that. <laughs> he does that. You know? But anyways, it's really cool. So I'm hoping that Wednesday night we can talk just a little bit more. But again, it's hard just to even make that progression. Then, hopefully, after you tell your, your, the background religious thing, you know, what's your background, then you can tell your story. Then perhaps you can say, and every one of you, now listen, look, let me know. Every one of you who are Jesus followers should have your story in your head. So, here's your homework assignment. No one exempted. Okay? You need to go home and this week write out about a two-minute presentation of what happened to you. You know, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Do this now. Because I tell you, you're going to, you know, you know what my wife says? Get your passport. Now, she's the missions director. Get your passport. You want to know why? If God were to knock on Mark's heart door, he's going to heal your back, Mark. Psh, you're done. He says, Mark, I want you to go to Africa with Dwayne next trip in three months. And Mark goes, but God, I don't have a passport. You can't get one that quick. You should have your passport. All of us should have your passport. Um, some, you know, Roger Balfour said, you know, um, you, should, you should take this training. Even if you have no intention of being a host home, you should take this training. You want to know why? Because if you're sitting there in church one day and you hear about a need, all of a sudden God says, Marsha, I want you and Dwight to be a host home. And you'll say, but God don't have the training. Wait, hold on. Hold the kid there. I'll be back in a month. You can't do that. So we've got to be prepared and we've got to be ready. So your homework assignment is to go home this week and write a two-minute, you don't need to be 15 minutes, two minutes of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Be ready, and we'll talk about that in the end, be ready to share your faith in Jesus Christ. Because your story is the most compelling story that there is. Okay? Now, that's cool. Let's go one time. We've got, we got family, okay? We, um, yeah, family, we've got occupation, religious background, and then we got my story. All right? Now, that's cool. Now, that works real well if you're out knocking on doors somewhere. Um, if you're, you know, Tim said he used it on Walmart cashier, I think, one time. Those are good. Now, there's something I think that's very, very, very important that, that I don't want to discount. You know, so often we discount what, that we need to pray according to God's will. And a lot of people of different denominations particularly will say, yeah, that's just you're out. Because that way, if God doesn't answer prayer, you can say, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. No, no, it's biblical. Because I remember my Savior praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. I remember him praying that. So it's not, it's not just an out, okay? It, you know, it's the way we ought to pray. So, so when I think about this, when I think about the next thing I want to share with you, I want to share with you looking for opportunities. Now, it's one thing to be prepared to knock on a door and say, Hi, I'm from Dorsville Baptist Church. Um, oh, I see you have grandkids. Oh, so what do you do for a living? Well, where do you go to church? Can I tell you my story? That's one thing. But it's another thing when you're 500 feet, Todd, you did this, 500 feet underground, or whether you're at the bank, or whether you're at the school uh, on break, or, or whether you're at the park, or whether you're at a zillion ball games we all attend, all of those different opportunities, it's different when you're sitting there and you look and your friend that happens to be at the ball game with you, you see a tear coming down her face. And you go, what in the world is going on? So, well, my husband said he wants a divorce. You, friend, have an opportunity. When you're Todd, one of my favorite stories, Todd was consistently sharing his faith um, with Delaine, I think her name was, underground. Underground, 500 feet underground. 
So, so if we would be willing to do this, Dwayne, there's no way. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, all things are possible through God. I understand that. But I just don't think I can do this form thing. I just don't think I can talk to a stranger about my faith. It's just too personal. Just too personal. Okay. Would you be willing then to just watch? Would you be willing to watch for opportunities? And would you be willing only to step if the opportunity presents itself? I know some of you come from independent backgrounds. I spent several years. John, I know you spent several years in an independent church. And the terminology faith promise is very familiar to some of you. And that's where you say, okay, God, I'll give $5,000 to missions if you provide the $5,000. And by the way, a lot of times it happened just like that. So would you be willing to say, okay, God, I will be willing to share my faith if you'll give me an opportunity. Would you be willing to do that? Because when the person is sitting there and this apple's just hanging on the tree and it's obviously red, ripe, just waiting for someone to walk up and pick it, it's pretty easy to share your faith. It really is. So would you be willing to watch for opportunities and windows in your life where there might be an opportunity to share your faith in Jesus Christ? Okay? So two ways of doing it. The form factor, all right, where we intentionally go to perhaps to a strange situation and then we share our faith that way, or just looking for opportunities. So I guess you could almost call that relational evangelism, but not quite. Because, again, you may be sitting there. In fact, you know, um, someone saw me at the hospital, you know, and I, uh, I got and prayed with somebody, you know. I just, I, they were crying. You know, I, I went and prayed with somebody. In fact, we prayed, didn't we, in barbecue barn. It wasn't too long ago. A lady was at the, at the table and needed prayer, and we just prayed right there in barn. Did you know you can pray in barbecue barn? The owner is quite in favor of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. The manager is quite important. Don't tell I said that. Okay. Remember who makes the pecan pies. It's not Jeremy. It's the girls. It's the girls. Okay. Very, very important. All right. So, so what does it look like then? It, once you get past, you know, the opportunity, well, how, you know, how do I lead a person to faith? You know, this is an old-fashioned approach, but it's still pretty good. Um, I, this is just some scriptures and some thoughts I put down. It's what is called the Romans Road, and all the scriptures but one um, come from Romans, and it's a nice a continuity, but it teaches some of the important factors about what we need to do to share our faith. Let's look at these things. Um, uh, oh, oh, don't forget, I, I'm teaching and trying to read what I wrote here. Don't forget to remember this. Let me read it verbatim. While a person may be most open to the gospel in a crisis, and I wrote down death, illness, job loss, financial ruin, marriage issues, be careful not to turn Jesus into a Mr. Fix-It. Even though they're most open at that point, their greatest need is not for Jesus to fix their marriage or to give them money um, or to find a job. Their greatest need is salvation. So I, you'll find I can't tell you how many times, and usually it's the guy, sometimes it's the woman, but the guy lets his marriage go downhill, and here he comes. And, man, he is ready to serve God. Send me to Africa on the next airplane. I am ready to do whatever God asks me to do because I'm about to lose my marriage. Okay? You can ask them to pray a prayer. They'll pray a prayer. You can ask them to make a commitment. They'll make a commitment. But be careful because you do not want to lead a person to a false commitment. You don't want to lead a person to a quick fix, hoping that, okay, I'll do Jesus if he'll fix my marriage. I'll do Jesus if he'll give me a job. I'll do Jesus, because that's not what Jesus is about. Okay, we teach that, but that's not what it's about. All right? It's about you're a sinner before a holy God, and you need salvation. That's what it's about. Okay? All right, now let's look. Um, help them to see that they are sinners. Now, this, this can be offensive. Okay? It can be offensive. 
But it's, I, I just believe on my heart, it's something they've got to see. They've got to the conclusion that they personally are sinners. Now, I put they're not mistakers. You know, it's amazing. It's funny. Uh, I've done this before in my teaching on like Wednesday night. I'll say something about who have y'all sinned today. It's amazing. If I were to say, have y'all made, how many of y'all made a mistake today? Oh, well, hey, I made a mistake. I can admit that. I made a mistake. But if I were to ask that same question, how many of y'all sinned today? I mean, I didn't sin. No, no, I didn't sin. See, and it was somehow, well, let me tell you something. We are not mistake, mistakers before God. I like Andy Stanley says sometimes, a mistake is what you do in your checkbook. An affair is a sin. Stealing is a sin. Lying is a sin. Gossip is a sin. It's not a mistake. Whoops, I did it again. Okay? So we've got to come to recognition of the fact that we are sinners. And that can be offensive to people. But sometimes the gospel has got to offend before it can heal. I mean, again, look at the story of the woman at the well. I mean, here's Jesus. They're having this nice little conversation, you know. And it, it seems going well. All of a sudden, Jesus goes, well, go call your husband. And he goes, I don't have a husband. That's pretty offensive. And he goes, that's right, you don't have a husband. In fact, the guy you're living right, with right now is not your husband. Well, that's offensive. Jesus was trying to call attention to her need. We've got to show people that they're sinners so they can accept a Savior. Does that make sense? Okay, now here's some scriptures. And again, by the way, you could take this theoretically and, and like lead somebody to Jesus with it, okay? Now, now look at uh, Romans 3, 10 and 12, 10 through 12. You know, as it is written, there is, I, this is so inclusive, I like it. There is none righteous. And by the way, once you get saved, remember that. The only way you're righteous is Jesus. There is none righteous, check. No, not one, double check. There is none who understands. I thought that was good. You know, there is there's none who seeks after God. You know, you remember back in the let's see, probably 70s, the uh, Sundays came up with the I found it campaign. Remember that? Yeah, nobody. Gosh, y'all that old, aren't you? Yeah, well, they, you had bumper stickers. There are billboards all over your towns. Of course, I was from Jacksonville. It's huge. I found it. I found it. I found it. Bumper stickers. I found it. Great campaign. Not scriptural. We don't find God. God finds us. You find religion, but you don't find a Savior. Okay? So, so God is seeking. There's none, the Bible says, who seeks after God. Okay? Now, let me, let me clarify something. When God is pulling someone, it, they're still not seeking God. God is seeking them. Okay? I'm talking about a guy who says, I'm just naturally, it's my nature to seek God. Not as an unbeliever, it's not. Your, your nature is to run away from God. Your nature is just keep on being a sinner. But God throws a hook at you and hooks you in and starts drawing you to himself. Okay? Read more. They have all turned aside. Um, They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now, what do you think about that? Does that leave any loopholes? Y'all, this is just good stuff to remember about us. I mean, before we met Jesus, we were a zero spiritually. Amen? We're a zero. And so we've got to gently let people, I say gently, it's sometimes going to be offensive, but we've got to help people say, yes, yes, I've sinned. And, you know, if you ever get a person to say, okay, well, I've definitely sinned. Okay, that cracks open the door for the furtherance of the presentation. And, of course, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's all inclusive. Everybody has sinned. Now, it may help them to see the universal issue and the origin of sin because someone may say, where does sin come from? It's really cool. Dakota's granddaddy, who really started coming to church just to bring Dakota. And guess what? He sat out in the foyer. And then guess what happened? He moved to the sanctuary. 
And every week he hears the gospel. And so we haven't really talked about spiritual things. Hi, how you doing? Glad you're bringing Dakota. But he grabbed me at the door. He goes, you know, here's a, here's a question. I mean, he goes, I don't, I don't want to be like a question person, but, but like, where did God start? And I said, he didn't. No, 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 really, no, no, no. I said, there's no alpha and omega with God. I said, he always was and he always will be forever and ever and ever. He goes, wow, yeah, how about that? So there was an offer. Here's a guy who's just kind of being drawn. God's using Dakota to bring his granddad and he's starting to ask questions. Isn't that cool? And he told me one time, he goes, now I'm going to bring Dakota. I'm not here for me. But guess what? He's starting to see. He's starting. God is drawing him through his grandson. So, so it may help, though, for people. Ask, well, where does sin come from? Okay, well, well Romans 4, 5, 12 says that. Therefore, just as through one man, and who was that? Adam. Through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all of sin. So they want to know where the origin of sin was. Well, it points back to Adam, and he was the first man, and he sinned against God along with Eve, all right? And that is the reason people die. They die physically, and they are dead spiritually because of sin, all right? Now, at the bottom of the page, you see this. Help them to see the penalty of sin and then open the door for grace. Romans 6.23 is perhaps one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it just puts it so clear and so wonderful. Notice it says this, you've got to help them see this. That the wages of sin is death. Now, I always talk about, you know, what wages are, it's something you've earned. And because we are sinners, we have earned death. So, in our natural state, unforgiven, the wages of our sin was death. We will die physically. Have y'all know anybody who just didn't, we all leave, don't we? You know, you may live to be 100 years old, but you're still going to check out. Okay? There's a 100% ratio on death. Okay, so we all die, and because of that sin thing, we also die spiritually. In fact, we're dead spiritually. Now, Paul later says we're dead in trespasses and in sins. Okay, so the wages of sin is death. Now, this would be a great opportunity to show you, and I, I took it with Mark. When I was leading Mark uh, to the Lord, I, I took and drew on a tablet. I put a G over here for God. I put an M over here for Mark, and I drew a, a water, a, a valley in the middle. And I said, so Mark, what is separating you from God? My sin. My sin. And I said, Mark, that's what spiritual death is. It's separation from God, and ultimately it's being separated from God in a place called hell. Okay, so help them to see that, that because of their sin, the payment for that sin is death. And by the way, praise God for the cross because he died for us. He died for us. Now, the reason I like 623 is because you got this. Okay, you see the penalty of sin, but in the same verse, you see grace coming in because what it says. But the gift, I love that word. (laughs) I, I, I said, I wonder if you could put, but the grace of God is eternal life. You know, now the gift of God is eternal life. Now, I always talk about, you know, it's so beautiful. You know, do you pay for gifts? Yeah, I, I love these I love these things, you know, where it says, we'll give you so-and-so, and the small print says, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and you've got to do this, and you got to do that. You know, God, the only small print is, turn from your sin, and I'll forgive you. You believe in Jesus Christ, and I'll forgive you. Isn't that great? It's wonderful. But it's a gift. You don't pay for it. You can't earn it. You can't bring something to the table and plop it down before God and say, okay, God, I brought this to pay for my salvation. It's a gift. And that's the way it's got to be. And that's why this is such good news. Because you know people that I don't know. But you know people in your world that they're like, 
like mega sinners. Uh, alcohol or drugs or, or sexual sin. Uh, you may know a pedophile or something like that. I mean, just ugly stuff. Ugly stuff. And they need to know that, that they are separated from God now, but they are open to forgiveness by grace. For by grace you have been saved. So the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ. And then I'll pause and say, you know, because the wages of sin was death, someone had to die. Someone had to die. I love the movie, um, oh, what's the original one about the tre- national treasure? And the FBI agent looks at, the, uh, at Nicholas Cage and goes, Nicholas Cage goes, I just assume for not go to jail. And, and the FBI goes, someone's got to go to jail, Nicholas. Someone's got to go to jail, Ben. That was his name in the movie, Ben. And you know, someone had to die for our sin. And that is what Jesus did. He took God's wrath. He atoned for our sin. He took the place. It's a, sub, it's a substitutionary death of, G, of Jesus Christ for us. You got that? You know, we deserve the, the cross, and that represents death and hell so much. And yet he took our place. So, so the gift of God is eternal life. We, we, someone had to die, and that's why Jesus died for us. I think that's very, very important. Now, let's move on now a little bit further. Help them see the mechanics, but don't miss the essentials. And I really believe, guys, with all my heart, um, this repentance issue is huge. I, I just really believe it. We, we've missed this. And the reason why, the reason we have churches filled with people who stick around for six months and leave, or, or, or they sometimes stick around and they find out later on that they never were saved, I think we don't do this. I think, you know, okay, just pray this prayer and, and God will fix your marriage. And pray this prayer and God will heal you. Or pray this prayer, pray this prayer, pray this prayer. And we, we never teach them that salvation's about sin and about the need for repentance. And I'll say it again. I'll look you dead in the eye and I'll tell you this. If you can't look at time in your past, when you look God in the eye, if you don't mind me saying it that way, and you turn from your sin, I'm not sure what you got. You have to come to a recognition of, of sin and turning from that sin. You know, Acts 3.19, which we just looked at. Repent, Peter said. Then turn to God. So repent, so you go this way and you're going this way. But remember, it's your change of attitude. It changes your attitude about yourself. Because again, there are a lot of people in this society who will go, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. But when you start acknowledging you're a sinner, all of a sudden you go, oh yeah, I am. Oh yeah, I am. I wish we'd remember that to were saved. You know? You know, your song, where's Nita? Nita, your song. Who am I? Who am I? I? I'm a depraved man who's experienced God's grace. On my best day, on my best day, when I kept more rules than anybody else, I still deserved hell. But I'm not going there because of God's grace. So repent and turn to God so that your sins may be, I love it. Wiped out. Wiped out. Pause. Here's a story I told you all a long time ago. About 2003, I was sitting at the stop sign at Church Street, and this is Granger. And there used to be a big old tree there. And I'm leaning forward, and I couldn't see anybody, and I pulled out, and a Honda T-boned me. Just like that. Totaled my car, and the Honda drove off. I was driving a Grand Prix. Hello. But anyway, so, you know, the officer said, I do not want to write you a ticket, but I've got to. So don't, don't know the end result. Was, was, and I, I think I asked Kathy Smith a question. And I said something, something. She goes, well, Brother Dwayne, you shouldn't get that ticket. Let me see what I can do. 
And next thing I knew, that traffic ticket was blotted out. Have you ever had anything blotted out before? Have you been to the barn and you've got a ticket on your desk? And they walk up and say, someone took care of it. You done got blotted out. Have you ever tried to dye your hair at home? And you end up going to Stephanie and she fixes it? Your hair done got blotted out. Have you ever done something really bad and you had to go to a lawyer and the lawyer got it blotted out? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ, by his sacrificial death, our sins were wiped out? They were blotted out. Blotted out. That times of refreshing may come. And again, those times of refreshing... I, now again, this is a prophecy from the Old Testament. But it's a refreshing thing when you meet Jesus. And that, don't you want everybody to experience this? Don't you? Really? Come on, come on. Don't you really want other people to have the same assurance you got that you're not going to hell? Don't, don't, you, want, don't you want to have the, others have the same experience that, that when troubles come, that there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother? Well, that can only happen if we're willing to look for open windows and opportunities or willing to share our faith through the form factor. All right? So, Romans 10, 9, 10. Here are the mechanics. That if you confess, and that means to say out loud, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And by the way, pause. What did I tell you the early church was really important to the early church? The resurrection. Of all the things Paul could have said in Romans... Look what in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit he said. If you will confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That resurrection thing's huge, guys. It's huge. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So again, there's some mechanics from, from Paul about pointing how a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it involves a point where we're willing to confess that Jesus is Lord. That's important, okay? It's important that you say one day, I am a Jesus follower. Um, I, if you want to use terminology, I am a Christian. Understanding that makes you a Christ follower, one like Christ. And what you believe about Jesus. And my, my goodness, you know, when, when you say that Jesus you know, rose from the dead, you're saying all the other things are true too. Because you know, the resurrection is the capstone, like I said this morning. It's the capstone of who Jesus Christ is. And then he kind of explains, in case you get confused, he says, well, for the, with the heart one believes in the righteousness, you know, and, and also with the mouth confession is made in salvation. And then he says this, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, now let me pause here. Because I understand um, there's a lot of discussion about the salvation prayer. And, and first it really ruffled my feathers. But I, I finally came to, to grips and understand what the problem is. Because... We have raised a generation of people that we tell them something like this. And, and we have. We have. We don't admit we have. If you'll just pray this prayer, then God will forgive you. If you'll just pray. It almost makes the prayer some kind of a magical formula that leads to salvation. The prayer doesn't save. Jesus saves. Faith in Jesus saves. Turning from your sin, faith in Jesus is what saves. There is nothing wrong with leading a person to pray. But make sure they understand that prayer is not a vehicle. It's just a way to tell God, God, I want you to know something. God, I know that I've sinned. And God, I know I've done wrong things against you. And God, I want you to just know 
that I do believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he did die and that he resurrected. And God, I want to tell you as a statement that I want to turn from my sins and I want to follow Jesus Christ. There is nothing. Matter of fact, that's fine. That's great. That's awesome. I still do it. But I'm very careful the person understands this is not some magical chant. If you say it and get all the words in the right places, ta-da, you're saved. Okay? So make sure they get the mechanics, but don't miss those essentials. Make sure they understand the prayer needs to be heartfelt to change the heart. Does that all make sense? See, salvation is simple. It really is. It's so simple. And salvation is free. But we want to make sure that they understand what they are doing and why God is drawing them and what they need to understand about, about sin, repentance, who Jesus is. And it is, by the way, I wrote these words down, it is a commitment. I've been using that word a lot. I, I, with Mark, I said, now Mark, I understand that, that when you follow Christ, it's a commitment to follow Christ. Okay? So understand that is a commitment to be a Christ follower. When Matthew was sitting at the tax table, and all Jesus said was this, follow me. And Matthew got up. And you know, at what point did Matthew become a believer? You know, there's lots of discussion about that. And in fact, there's a lot of discussion about when all the apostles became believers. You know, when did they finally come to conclusion? You know, you know, Peter said, we're going to believe that you're the Christ. Well, hello, there's Peter's moment. But, but it's very important they reach that moment when they understand, I've sinned, I turned from that sin, and I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? Now that's, how do you get that all in five minutes? You probably won't. It may teach. You know what I figured out? Sometimes the biggest disservice we do is talk to a person in five minutes and walk away after leading them in a prayer. We may need to meet twice. May need to. May need to. I don't know. But it's very important that the person understands what they are doing. You know, there's an old story. When I was a kid, this is why I wrestled my weight. Before I got my tonsils out, I was skinny as a rail. And I'm not sure what the tonsils had to do with it. But after I got my tonsils out, I kind of have a, a wrestling with, uh, with... So I'm sitting in the doctor. I remember this. So I'm sitting in the doctor's office. My sister, did I? No. My sister had a sore throat. I was tagging along because we were the two babies. And so Dr. Smothers, I still remember this guy's name. Dr. Smothers says to my mom... Well, Mrs. Taylor, um, I think Kathy really needs her tonsils out. And the man looked at me and said, how about you, young man? You want yours out too? And I said, okay. <laughs> and a week later, I had a sore throat like no, in no other. You know, I didn't understand what I was getting into. I had no clue. You know, back then they did that, you know. You know, you take, line your kids up at the doctor's office and you all get your tonsils out. You know, that's just the way you did it. Okay? So because I didn't understand... Well, I ended up with a surgery. <laughs> okay, so it's really important we help people understand. Now, let me close with this, and we'll be done. And I hope this has helped some. And if I muddied the water any, just see me afterwards or, or call me in the office. I'd love to sound chat with you about it. Okay, I look at the just a thought, because this is so big, guys. Because I know we sometimes wrestle with why do we do. Again, by the way, great turnout for the movie. About 125 to 140 people came, got to share the gospel with them. Uh, hopefully made an impact on, and left fingerprints on their lives. But why we do some of the things we do. Why do we do things differently than some churches do? Well, look at this, this scripture. Um, this is Romans 10, 14, and 15, following verse 13. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Well, they can't. So, again, when we go to Africa, a sizable portion of these people have never heard the name of Jesus. Now, Uganda, not so much. But in Mali and Niger, 
they've never heard the name of Jesus. I mean, they, it's, not, it's not like they said no to Jesus. They go, Jesus who? And some of the people, Tim, we meet will have that situation here. Some of them, um, like, you know, religion's a problem everywhere, had the animistic religion, African voodoo doctors, and all that stuff. Some of that is there, and that's what they believe in. So, so how, how can they believe in Jesus if they've never heard of him? They've never believed. How shall they believe in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And someone says, and that is why we hired you. Because you are the preacher. No. That word means proclaimer. And we all are proclaimers. Okay? You know, you brought me on staff to, to, um, to, to be an evangelist. Yes. You brought me on staff to teach. You brought me on staff to lead, to be the under-shepherd, all those things. But you never should bring a preacher on staff to be the sole soul winner. It's, it's something all of us should do. Okay? So, so how can they hear without a preacher? And again, and you're sorry, I promise you, you know tons of people that I don't have a clue who they are and probably will not know. And it's cool if you say, you know, if it's cool if you say, hey, Brother Dan, would you talk to one of my friends if I haven't come to office? That's great, cool. But you don't understand, there are so many opportunities that you have to share your faith. Down at the coffee shop, down at McDonald's, at the school, opportunities. And you are the preacher of the moment. You're the proclaimer of the moment. He goes on and says this. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Unless we understand that we are to go. We're not to stay. We are to go. And that's across the street. That's to the high school. It's to the coal mine. It's to the bank. It's to the ball games. It's to the gyms. Um, it's to Chicago. It's to Uganda. It's to Haiti. It's to Nicaragua. It's all over. It's all over. And how shall they preach unless they're sent? God's word says go. And we are to go. And even... Even when we do the back-to-school thing, Judy, that's a going thing. I mean, true, they come, they come to us, but we're still going. I guess you can go and stand still in some ways, as long as the people are coming to you, you know? So, so and then it says this, I'm not sure how beautiful my feet are, but it says, how it has, as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings and uh, good tidings of great things. And all, all the word of, all the people of God said... Amen, amen. Now, give me one more thing. And then we'll go home. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. This goes back to what I talked about in the morning. Uh, I'm sorry, at the beginning of the message. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. That, the word sanctify means to set apart. So set apart God in your heart. Always be ready. How often? Always. Always be ready. That is so biblical. Always be ready. To give a defense uh, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is within you. That's First uh, Peter chapter three verse fifteen. So always be ready to give a defense of the reason of the hope that lies within you. How important that is. And then he does this um, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. And having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, and they might, okay, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. And I want you to know, as a fellow introvert, if you're here today and it really, you know, 
I, I want you to know I can identify with you. Okay, I, I can make myself do it. And it's hard for me sometimes. Sometimes it's very easy. But I understand. So if we're not ready for form, don't let that stop you. Because there's friends and family and grandchildren and children, just a whole bunch, that, that are going to give you opportunities. They're going to say, my life is falling apart. Um, I don't know what to do. I dreamed about death last night and I'm afraid. Those are all opportunities and windows to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? And I think, you know, you know, God said with, with God, all things are possible. And that verse we love, Philippians 4.13, say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So with him, all things really are possible. All right? Let's pray together. Father, I really want to thank you for the opportunity tonight to teach this. And I, I pray, Father, I helped and made it clear. And, Father, I pray that as we leave this place tonight, um, Lord Jesus, that we will look for opportunities particularly. Uh, Father, we should not be surprised that tomorrow um, just something just waltzes in the door and we have this opportunity to share our faith. Father, I pray for, for folks who are very uncomfortable, not just talking about the gospel, but talking to strangers. Father, that you give them a boldness, a boldness. Help them to be ready to give a defense of the reason of the hope that lies within us. And Father, for the ones that really readily speak to people, Father, help them, Lord, to be sure and not talk about everything but the gospel. Make sure, Father, we ended up on that, that core value. And Father, I believe you honor uh, obedience. And Father, I'm certain that you've equipped us for this. It's not like you're sending us out to do something we're not uh, able to do because we can do all things um, through you. So, Father, as we close our service tonight, we pray, God, as we prepare our hearts, help us to leave looking for opportunities, ready to share our faith. And, Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.